Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. If this is your first time, you need to come back next Sunday because at our church, we laugh a lot and you always leave with a message that encourages you, like, right, look, you feel better about yourself. Today, today, today God asked me to bring a word that's going to challenge you a little bit, a word that I think might hurt a little bit, but it'll heal a lot of it. If you're in, say, I'm in. I'm in. Say, I'm in. Okay, online, type it in. I'm in if, 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 if you're in. If you're not in, shut up. Don't say nothing because you'll <laughs> discourage me. All right, the next thing I'm going to need, because this is a tough topic, I'm going to need your support. I'm going to need you to help me preach. So I'm going to need you to shout, say amen. I'm going to need you to laugh if the jokes ain't funny, okay? Just keep it going because I preach better when you're engaged. And so, and I'm excited. You say, what topic could possibly be that controversial, Jay? What, 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 could, what could you possibly be talking about that you would need all this prayer and support? Well, I'll just go ahead and start off my message with the, with the title and then you can take your assumptions from there. The, the title of today's message, we've been in a series on the Holy Spirit, so help me God. The title of today's message is A Spirit of Unity. A Spirit of Unity. I think it's a timely word in 2020. I think it's a word that can challenge us, like I mentioned, um, but I also think it can, it can bless us. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read all the way through verse 12. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We have been in Acts chapter 2 like every week. I don't know if you've noticed. In the following weeks, I promise you, we're going to read after. Today, we're going to read after verse 4. And uh, two weeks later, we'll read before uh, verse 1. But it's, uh, it's important. Uh, uh, this day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to earth and became our helper. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one. Somebody say one. One place. And suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And that's usually where we stop. I've been reading 1 through 4, chapter 2, if you've noticed, like in every sermon in this series. But now in verse 5, we're going to go. I want to show you what happens after this moment. Verse 5. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, this almost became the title of my message today, a crowd came together. What would it take for a crowd to come together? It's going to be a tough uh, day at church, I can tell already. A crowd came together because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? We got Parthians, we got Medes, we got Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia. Phrygia is actually where we get the word fridge from, refrigerator, because they were the first ones. I'm just kidding. That's not true. But I had you go. And you were like, what? <laughs> and Pamphylia. This is where we get the word pamphlet. They invented, they invented the pamphlet. <laughs> Egypt and the parts of Libya. That's also not true in case you were wondering. Near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We heard them declaring the wonders of God. This is important. In our own tongues, verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? I am going to try to answer that question here today. What does this mean? If, if you can't tell, I am Latino, Latino, 
And uh, you might not be able to tell because most of my life I have been uh, confused for other races. And uh, some people say I look Italian. Some people say I look Jewish. Some people say I look white. I always felt like I was like the perfect kid because I could roll in like any crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know who I am. And, and uh, Spanish, Span- I can speak Spanish, but just barely, just enough. But I grew up in a Spanish church, see? So I knew some words. And one day I got the opportunity to preach at my church and I wanted to show them that I was Latino. You know, I was like, don't be fooled. I know I'm third generation, but you know, I know some words, okay? And so, and so I went, so I got the, pre- and if you've ever been to a, a, a Spanish English church, there's always a translator who stands, you know, beside the preacher. I was 12 years old. Okay, I don't know what my pastor was thinking, all right? Gave me the microphone, and, and I wanted to start off with some Spanish, but I didn't know it very well. And so um, whenever I didn't know a word in Spanish that I was trying to say, I always had this go-to. Um, I, would, I, would, I would just kind of say the word in English, and then I would put like a Spanish ending at the end of it to Spanish-size the word, because you could do that in Spanish. It's called the cognate, but you can't always do that. So, for example, like impression. If I say, man, you're impressive, I could be like impresionada. You know, that's like to impress. Is that right? Is that a right word? Okay, there you go. I was just checking because I don't know. Um, impresionada, right? Impression. Uh, so, so I wanted to say this sentence in English. I wanted to say, in Spanish, I wanted to say, when I preach in Spanish, I get embarrassed. That is what I wanted to say. So, so I started it in Spanish. I said, I don't like to preach in Spanish. I said that in Spanish. Because when I preach in Spanish, I said that in Spanish, and I was really, like, I was real confident about all those words. And then I was like, how do you say embarrassed? And so I said, well, what I'm going to do is, is just add, if, if you're not laughing, it's because you're white. I'll help you out in a second, or black. I'll help you out in a second. I'm going to tell you in a second. I said, I said, I said, because when I preach in Spanish, I get embara. Sada. So, for those who are just English speakers, <laughs> it does not mean embarrassed. Apparently, embarrassada means pregnant. So I told my church that I had just given this 12-year-old an opportunity to preach the gospel. I don't like to preach in Spanish because every time I preach in Spanish, I get pregnant. And everybody laughed, like you're laughing now. I looked at my translator. I said, what did I do? He said, you said every time you preach, you get, you, you, you get pregnant. And then, and then, so I flipped it. I was like, with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. They thought I meant it the whole time. And so something there got lost in translation. Say lost in translation. You know, as human beings, we used to all speak the same language. Did you know that? You go to the book of Genesis, chapter 11, you'll realize that all of humanity at one point spoke the same language. But there was this moment at a city called Babel where the people got together to do something evil. They tried to build a tower to get to heaven. People are still trying to get to heaven, by the way, on their own efforts and on their own building. But it's impossible. God knew it was so impossible that he said, listen, you're never going to get to us. So I'm just going to flip the script. I'm going to come to you. So you don't have to build a tower. I'll build a cross. Come on, somebody. And I'll get to you even though you can't get to me. But what they were trying to do was evil. They were trying to do evil. And so God said, I'm going to have to break them up. Because if I don't divide them, there's nothing they can't do if they work together. And he had to separate them because they were trying to use their unity to accomplish something evil. And so I don't know if it happened in the moment. I don't know if they woke up the next morning. But God didn't send a storm. God didn't send an earthquake. God sent confusion in different languages all over that city. So people, maybe they woke up one morning, maybe they were in the middle, and all of a sudden, they could no longer communicate. And on that day, unity was lost in translation. On that day, one people group, one people, they began to separate into tribes. They started looking for people who were just like them. People who talked just like them. And they said, we need to hang out because we're a lot alike. I don't really get those other people. And so this one people separated into multiple people. We call them tribes. From one people, we got Babylonians, but we also got Parthians. We got Italians and we got the French. We got Ethiopians and we got Egyptians. We got Republicans. (laughs) 
and we got Democrats. We got Black Lives Matter, and we got All Lives Matter. We got Catholics, and we got Evangelicals. We got Calvinists, and we got Arminius. And since that day and forevermore, not only are we still in tribes, but our tribes have multiplied and they've gotten even smaller. They've gotten even smaller, and what once was one is now divided. And I'm not going to hang out with those people. They don't speak like me. And, the, and, we, and, we, and we separated because of communication, because of translation. But then, somebody say, but then. But say it like I said it, but then. That was good, Mom. That was good. But then the day of Pentecost happened. And on the day of Pentecost, it was a national, all the Jews from all over the world came to this. It was like the biggest platform that you can have. On that day, all the nations of all the world came together once again. And God did a new thing on that day. Not only was he trying to send a message about Jesus who had died for the sins of humanity. Not only was he trying to send a message about the Holy Spirit who had now chose to abide on earth as his home. I believe that the Holy Spirit was also bringing a message of unity. Do you know how I know that he was bringing a message of unity? Because he chose to bring unity the same way he chose to divide it. In Babel, he chose to divide it by giving everybody different languages. And the first thing the people said when the Pentecost happened in the Holy, how is it that I hear them what? Speak, help me out. I told them, I said, you help. What were they saying? I just read it. Come on. What did they say? How is it that I hear them what? Speaking my own language. Did you catch it? Jerusalem, Pentecost became the antithesis of Babel. It became the opposite. It became its undoing. He said, I brought the world into tribes because they were trying to get together to do something evil. But now I'm going to need them to come together because I need them to do something great. It's called the Great Commission to tell the whole world about this person in our life called Jesus who heals the sick and raises the dead and opens the eyes of the blind. God knew that the only way that mission could be accomplished was through unity. So he sent the Spirit to bring it. He sent the Spirit to bring the unity. We need unity. I don't, if, you, if you want to do something great, you need unity. Because you can't do great things by yourself. And I want to teach you in this sermon how to find unity. If you want a great family, how many people know you need unity in your family? If you want a great marriage, you need unity in your marriage. I want to teach you today three things, real easy, how to find unity in your marriage, unity in your family. If you want a great company, the, all, all of the Fortune 500 CEOs will tell you you've got to create a corporate culture, they call it. But you know what culture is? It's unity around certain visions, values, missions. You know what made this country so great when it was founded uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago? Because it was founded as the United States of America. It was Abraham Lincoln who said, a house divided among himself. Actually, it was Jesus. Abraham Lincoln stole it, but he still said it. A house divided among itself will not stand. My heart breaks for where our nation is today. And it breaks for where our homes are because we've got more division today. This is why this message is so important today. Because we're, we're, we're divided. We're, we're divided. People are kneeling for the anthem. People are standing for the anthem. People are wearing masks. People are not wearing masks. It's, it's just depending on, and we're all, and, we're, and the problem is, the moment we broke into tribes, notice this about humanity. The moment they broke into tribes, they went from construction to destruction. The moment they broke up into tribes, at first when they were together, let's, let's build something great. But the moment they started dividing, let's tear down whatever you built. If it's not my thing, I want to go ahead and I want to tear it down. You got to do something great. But, but unity is not easy. Oof. You know it's not easy. You know how you know it's not easy? Because it's spelled U-N-I-T-Y. Thank you, Rick. We practiced that before service. Come on, same generation. It's spelled U-N-I-T-Y. U-N-I-T-Y. U-N-I. And every time you and I get together. It's going to be problems. <laughs> Ephesians really nailed it. Paul nailed it in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6. This is how hard unity is. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit 
through the bond of priests. Every effort. There is, there's seven ones that are about to come out your way right here. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. I want to point out two things. First off, he said every effort. In other words, unity is something you have to keep trying at and you have to keep trying again at. We were marching for, for civil rights and, racial and, and against racial injustice in 2020. They were doing it in the 1960s. We don't stop because nothing's changed. It's worth that fight. It's worth that effort. We got to try and try and try again until more and more things change. But also, if you notice, so we got to put an effort, but also if you notice, he said one body and one spirit. Here's how I receive that, that there are some practical, physical things you can do for unity, but also, here's how I hear it, unity is also spiritual. One body and one spirit, one Lord, one Savior. So, so, so we got to see it not just from the natural, but also from the spiritual. And I want to do that with you today. If you're taking notes, the first thing that the Holy Spirit helps us do when it comes to discovering or creating or rediscovering unity is he helps us see the world with spiritual eyes. And when you see the world with spiritual eyes, you realize that we have, here's the first point, one enemy. Say one enemy. One enemy. One enemy. Put it in the chat. One enemy. One enemy. You know, I, I uh, grew up in New York my whole life, and New York is, uh, I guess I can't say that anymore because now over half my life, well, next year will be over half my life, I'll be living in Florida. But I still claim it. I still claim New York. And so um, Liz hates it when the, when the movie comes on and there's somebody who has a New York accent, I just totally flip. She's like, you're a fake. I'm like, it's my roots. Don't judge me. It's in there, okay? Um, and so I remember, man, going to high school and on one corner, uh, I mean, it was pretty diverse. Um, we had a metal detector uh, at our school before that was like, before airports had them. We had them like at our high school. Um, we had on one corner, we had Latin Kings, which is a gang, if you're not familiar. On another corner, we had Bloods. On another corner, we had Crips. And, and I remember going to school, just like, just stay in the street. Don't go on a corner, just stay in the street. Go on, on a corner. And, uh, and those gangs were there every day, every single day at school, those gangs were there on those corners, except for one day. And it was the first day at school after 9-11. On that day, when those planes hit those towers, which I saw from my biology classroom window, the building on, on fire, on that day, nobody had a corner. Because on that day, there were no Latin Kings. There were no Bloods. There were no Crips. There were New Yorkers. On that day, the common enemy became terrorism. And we all rallied against our common enemy. If you want unity in your home, if you want unity as a nation, if we want unity as a church, if you want unity in your marriage, you need a common enemy, one enemy. And I want to tell you who that enemy is right now. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Put it on the screen. Our fight is not against, ooh, people. We are fighting against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness. We are fighting against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly realm. Your enemy is the devil. Not your in-laws. Yeah, buddy. I told you it's going to be a tough one today. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but pastor... What if my in-law is the devil? <laughs> I know that's what you're thinking. They're not. Can I, can I bring it closer to home? Your spouse is not the enemy. Why are you fighting her? Why are you fighting him? They're not the enemy. The devil is. Your supervisor. <laughs> is not the enemy. Your, your parent is not the enemy. That's why y'all got the same last name. It's like team whatever your last name is. Your professor is not your enemy. Are you, are you ready for this? I hope you come back. I hope you're still part of this church after this. But the person who votes differently than you is not your enemy. The devil is. 
And you got to understand who your enemy is or you will never win the battle you are trying to win because you're always fighting against the wrong person. We all need a common enemy, but we love to make enemies as human beings. And I have two theories to why we love to make enemies. Do you want to hear them? Okay. Theory number one, I think we like to make enemies because if we can if we can label the bad guy as the bad guy, that means I'm the good guy. So if we make bad guys out of people in the world, I'm all of a sudden a good guy, and I need to be the good guy because everybody knows I'm right. It's obvious. I'm obviously right. You're wrong, so you're the bad guy. I'm the good guy. You're the one doing bad. You're the one doing evil, and that makes me feel better about myself. The only problem is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Psalms 100 and something, God says, I've looked all over the earth, and I couldn't find one person who was good. No, not even one. God took two sentences to say the same thing. He said, come find one. Nope. <laughs> Not even one. The problem with making bad guys bad guys is we're all bad guys. You're a bad guy. I'm a bad guy. He's a bad guy. She's a bad guy. Listen, your poop might look different than mine. But it don't smell different. <laughs> no, sorry. Why do you think someone else's sin is worse than your sin? Because they don't got the same stigma as your sin. Oh, my bad. They struggle with pornography, so they're evil. But you struggle with greediness, having given a dime to the church in three years, having tithe, don't help nobody, stingy with your money, stingy with your time, stingy with your talents. But that's good because in America, they call that work ethic. We all sin. So how can I elevate myself over you if we all got stuff going on? We all got problems. They just got different names. We all got it. So that's my first theory. I think we're trying to make bad guys so that we can make good guys, but we're all bad guys. The second thing is I think that we make enemies, we make bad guys because the world is just simpler that way. It's just simpler if you can divide the world into bad guys and good guys. Right? It's easy. I mean, that's why I love the movies from the 80s and the 90s. Because you knew within five minutes of that movie who to cheer for and who to root against. Because the bad guy was so obvious. Scar. Dude got a big scar across his face. He's the, he's the darkest lion in the pride. How about that racial shot? Mufasa's all gold and shiny. Scars are scar. He, he black. <laughs> Cruella Deville. Her last name is literally Devil. But you don't gotta wrestle with the morality of this woman. You know, she's the Devil. Cru- Cruella Deville. Devil. You don't watch Star Wars. And, and Darth Vader comes out and you go, I want to have coffee with that guy. He seems like he's the good guy in this movie. He's black again. He's got a mask on. He's speaking all ominous. He's got a cape and a red lightsaber. Within the first five minutes of that movie, literally, you know who the bad guy is. I'll never forget watching it with Justice first time watching Star Wars, which is like a thing. If you're a Star Wars fan, if not, then you think I'm a nerd, but forget you. Anyway, he goes, Dad, as soon as he saw Darth Vader, he goes, is that the bad guy? Because he wants to know, because he wants to break the world down. Simply. You know what I told him? I said, well, son, if you've seen the whole series, you go, well, son, it's, it's complicated. He might look like the bad guy now, but that's just because you haven't seen episodes one through three. You haven't seen the little boy with the smile on his face. You didn't see the boy whose dad wasn't there to raise him. You didn't see the boy who grew up in slavery. 
You didn't see the boy whose mother was brutally murdered. If you see episode one through three, you might not be so quick to call him the villain once you heard his story. Once you hear that person's story, all of a sudden, it's not so clear anymore, son. It's complicated. That's why Hollywood doesn't make movies like that anymore. Because they know it's not real. They always give you the backstory of the villain now so that you can hear their story. So even if you don't agree, somebody told me you should see Joker. I, I said, okay, because I, like, I, I should not have seen Joker. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. Great movie, uber violent, and I don't like violent movies. And so you can see it, no judgment on you. I didn't like it. But at the end of the movie, as bad as that guy was, if you see that movie, you go, you know, I feel, I feel, I'm, I mean, he's definitely not the hero, but uh, I feel bad for him. I empathize with him. If you're willing to, but the crazy thing is, we, we want to know the backstories of the villains in the movies, but we don't want to know the backstories of the villains in our lives. Because that would complicate it too much. Don't come out. Worship team is going to be one of those, it's going to be one of those services. I'll tell you when to come out. I'll tell you when to come out. It's because it's, it's, it's more complicated than that. So here's what we do. We go back to the 80s and the 90s or the simpler times and we judge people. We make bad guys out of people just by the way they look. Because that's how we were taught. I'll prove it to you. We're at church right now. It's great. God's presence is here. Let somebody walk through that back door with a MAGA hat on. Make America great again. Without knowing that person's story, without knowing some people in this room, I'm, I'm talking to you, without knowing that person's story, without knowing how that person was raised, without knowing how that person's family life, without knowing that person's economic status, without knowing that person's immigration status, without knowing whatever their whole history, you will order, you see the hat and you go, bad guy. I know, I know why you do that, because it's easier that way. You don't want to wrestle with the story. You don't want to wrestle with what they had to go through growing up. It's just easier to put people in the categories and go on with life. Can we go at the other way? You're walking down the street and you see a black guy with a hoodie running in your direction. Without knowing his story, without knowing where he comes from, bad guy. That's how Ahmaud Arbery died, jogging. Because I saw him running, bad guy. It's, it's not that easy. You got to hear the story, but we don't want to hear the story because if you have to listen to your enemy, you turn your enemy into a human. And it's easy to hate a category. It's easy to hate a label, but it's hard to hate a human. So I don't want to listen because if I listen, you'll go from enemy to human being. That's what James said. James chapter 1, he said this. Put it on the screen, James 1. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Is it just me, or do we do the complete opposite in America? Slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to get angry. That's us, because you only have 120 characters to hear a person's story. So it's just easier that way. Nobody talks anymore. We just want to try and understand this. At Babel, do you know why everybody started fighting at Babel? Because they lost the ability to communicate. That's way better than you gave praise for that for. Try and understand this. The world fell apart because people could no longer have conversations. That is the world we live in today. Nobody wants to have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with them. Nobody wants to have conversations anymore. We just want to make statements. And then I hear you. I hear you. Please don't say it too loud because I will run off this stage and I will drop kick you. Please don't say it. Oh, I have conversations all the time. You should, you should, <laughs> you should, you should watch my social media feed. <laughs> Nobody goes to social media to have conversations. You're not having a conversation. You're making a declaration. Con 
conversations don't happen in the DMs. Conversations happen over a meal. They happen over coffee. They happen in the phone. They happen in the lobby. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and, and share my... You don't understand that by making your declaration, you're dividing what God wants to bring together. Has anybody ever... Just asking. Has anybody ever read a post and then go, you know what? That's a great point. I don't believe what I believe anymore. <laughs> hey, do you honestly think, because this is what they tell me. I'm just trying to spread the truth. I want people to see differently. No, you don't. You want a microphone for your position, but you don't want a conversation that might shift you from your, from your position or, or at the very least empathize with the person who thinks differently than you. We, you know, can we just stop it with, this, with the posts? They're not helping nobody. Nobody's life is being edified. It was created to bring people together. It's never, it's, we've never been more divided. Why? Because in 120 characters, it's easy to find your position and not hear your story. We got to hear the story. We got one, we got one, one, one enemy. And it's not him, it's the devil. And by the way, because it is the devil, don't let the devil use that person as a body, as a body shield. You know what a body shield is? Have you ever seen it in the movies? It's when the guys come in blasting and then the, the bad guy will take like an innocent guy and then they'll cover it with the innocent guy and the bullets will just hit the innocent guy and the bad guy's behind. That's you every time you fight that person. The devil has got the other person on the other aisle as a body shield. You're shooting him and the devil's laughing. <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. But you're not coming at me. So, I'm just, so when you kill that person, I'm going to just set up another one. And that'll be your whole life. Not going after the real enemy. The real enemy. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but JJ, I'm, I'm mad. And my problem is I can't punch the devil. <laughs> so I just need to punch whoever's closest to me. But I want to tell you, you can punch the devil. <laughs> how many people want to learn how to punch the devil today? And I know, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. Prayer and fasting. Amen. That works. But I got, I got something you can do tomorrow that'll, that'll punch the devil. Check this out. Romans 12, 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. <laughs> if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, time out. <laughs> I read that and I was like, yeah, feed my enemy. Yeah, I got the peace, good drink to my enemy. Yeah, uh, set my enemy on fire? <laughs> Is it just me or did, did God make like a hard left? <laughs> He's like, feed people you don't agree with and put clothes on people you don't agree with and then take your grill in the backyard and pour it on their head. Because they'll never see it coming. You warm them up with goodness and then you burn them. Whenever there's a discrepancy in what you're reading, it's because there's a deeper revelation. So I had asked the Lord, I said, what's the revelation? Only when you see it in context. I've never heard this preach before. I hope it's not heresy. I, I, really, I really think it's truth. I, 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 what if the enemy that he's talking about that the coals are being heaped on since we only have one enemy, is not the person that we're serving, but the devil who was trying to hide behind that person. What if every time we love on somebody that the devil was trying to set it up for us to hate on, we pour coals on the enemy's head? I'm going to go ahead and set up this person, and I'm going to have him say this, and I'm going to say that, and they're going to fight. And instead of fighting, you pray for them. 
and the enemy, and you are just walloping them. You need to understand, every time you love on someone who disagrees with you, you give the devil a black eye. It's exactly what Jesus did on the cross when he died for people who were trying to kill him himself. He said, this is how I beat the devil, by laying down my life for people. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies, he made us friends and family. This is how we beat the enemy, not just with praying, not just with fasting, but by serving the people in our lives that he would have us fight, that he would have us kill, that he would have us destroy, that he would have us gossip about, that he would have us throw in the garbage. Every time we show kindness, we kill him. Come on, Selena Gomez. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him with kindness. Come on. Hey. We kill the devil with kindness. We sure do. Because his plan all along was to rip apart. We got one enemy. If you're taking notes, write this down. We got one neighbor. And we got one neighbor. Boy, 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 we got one neighbor. Look what the Bible says, Galatians 5, 13 through 16. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Someone say free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Is it just me or is that funny? When I read that, I feel Paul is like, love your neighbor. Don't devour each other. And then he's like, and then he's like, and, 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 and walk by the Spirit. So you won't gratify the desires of the like, I know you want to punch them, but walk by the Spirit. <laughs> Don't gratify that sinful nature. One neighbor, one neighbor. Say one neighbor. When I moved to my neighborhood in, in Winter Park, we didn't really have a choice. It was like the one house, but there were some options, but we picked that house. And it was a beautiful house, and we loved it. And it needed a lot of work, but I'll never forget the first week in that house, my neighbor, I, was, I didn't even bought the house yet. My neighbor across the street, his name's Howard. I don't think Howard will mind me sharing the story because Howard doesn't go to our church. And so <laughs> Howard came over to me. And I don't know if you remember, babe, he had a, a pipe in his hand. He's an old, old, old white dude. And he wasn't, he just came over with the pipe and he was like, so. <laughs> Thinking about buying this place? I was like, yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Now, listen, Howard's not a racist. Howard actually spoke more Spanish than I did. He grew up in Puerto Rico. It was a crazy story. I love Howard. Me and Howard are, are, are we're, best, we're best friends. We go bowling uh, together. <laughs> That's not true. We don't do that at all. <laughs> but I love Howard. But it, it, in five seconds, I thought, okay, this guy's a little different. And then we tried to do a love day, right, when I moved in. So we, we, uh, Eddie Perez was there. And we, we, we started to mow the lawn of my neighbor to my left. And the neighbor to my left, his name is John. And so Eddie starts rowing his lawn, and he's like, hey, your neighbor's real interesting. I go, John, yeah, I only know him a little bit. And he's like, yeah, he asked me if I believe in time travel. He's like, he's pretty sure that, like, there's people time traveling today, and he's a huge fan of aliens. And I was like, this is my home. Here's my point. Listen, you get to choose a lot of things in life. The verse said we are free. Do you know you're free? You are free to choose your beliefs, you are free to choose your politics, you are even free to choose your theology. But there is one thing you are not free to choose, and that is your neighbor. You are not free to choose your neighbor because if you live on this planet, then every other person on this planet is your neighbor. Which means that you don't get to choose who to love and who not to love. Because you only got one neighbor. Now here is the million dollar question. How do you live and love with someone you disagree with? Do you want to know? Good. I'm going to tell you. Here's the two things you don't do. Because here's the only thing they tell you to do in America today. Don't assimilate. Say assimilate. Don't assimilate. In other words, don't be like, 
if everyone else believes different and I don't, I'm just going to have to let go of my beliefs to believe what other people believe so that there's no drama because I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to no drama. I want to be a, a peacekeeper. But the Bible doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. It said blessed are the peacemakers. Huge difference. So don't, don't mold yourself, change yourself so that nobody else gets mad. Don't assimilate. I, I, I wrote it like this. It'll be on the screen. We're free to disagree. Come on, isn't that good news? And if you don't agree, you're free <laughs> to disagree. It's one of the beautiful things about this country that we live in. And I know it's not perfect. I know we got a lot to fix. But we live in a nation where you're free to disagree. And if God himself doesn't force people to believe in him, then what right do I have to get someone else to believe what I believe? I'm not, not going to try to assimilate you and you don't try to assimilate me because we are free to disagree. Do you believe that? I hope you do because most people say they do, but they don't. What they really, say, what they really mean when they say it is you're free to believe whatever you want to believe as long as what you believe is what I believe. That's what they really say. You're free to have any ideas you want. Unless I don't like them, then I'm going to take that freedom away. But the moment you take away someone else's freedom to disagree, you take away your freedom to disagree. Because that's how freedom works. So don't assimilate. Don't assimilate and don't do this either. Don't go to the other side. Don't discriminate. Don't assimilate and don't discriminate. Don't assimilate and don't discriminate. Discriminate is I don't like you. So you need to get out of my life. This is the heart of cancel culture today. I don't like you. I, it's not that I don't disagree. I want to end you. If I don't like you, I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to tell all my friends not to follow you. And I'm not going to buy your beans anymore. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a cancel you. I want to end you. But the Bible said that you're free. But it also said to love your neighbor. In other words, we're free to disagree. Put it up on the screen. But we're not free to destroy. We're free to disagree. But I can't allow my disagreement to elevate to the point where I am harming you, where I'm attacking you, where I'm trying to end you, either socially or I'm trying to end you. Listen, now if someone broke the law, that's different. But you're going to end someone's life just because they have a different opinion than you? I get the whole canceling people that kill people or molested children. If you broke the law, there needs to be repercussions. But just because they think differently... You want to end their whole life? No, 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 no. There's another way. There's a third way. The world would have you believe that you can only assimilate or discriminate. But there's a third option. There's a middle of the road path. And I'm going to tell it to you. Do you want to hear it? No, you don't. No, you don't because you don't like this word. I promise you don't like this word. But it's the only way forward as a nation. And it's the only way forward as a marriage. And it's the only way forward as a family. And it's the only way forward as a church. And it's the only way forward with your in-laws. And it's the only way forward in humanity. It's not assimilate. It's not discriminate. We need to learn to tolerate. Tolerate. Now, the moment I said that word, I'd be going, tolerate. What do you mean tolerate? Well, here's the definition. Because I don't think you think it means what I know it means. Tolerate means to allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something that one does not necessarily like or agree with without interference. To allow the existence. I'm not talking about like we got to agree with what they believe. But can we at least make space in our world for people who don't believe what we believe? If not, how are you planning to live on this planet? How are we going to get along as a church if the only two options are believe what I believe or get out? 
there's got to be a third way. And this tolerant thing, this isn't a bad word. This isn't wickedness. This isn't me changing my beliefs. No, I'm going to have my beliefs and you're going to have your beliefs. But the only way we're going to get together is if we can disagree and still remain in harmony. It's called tolerance. And it's not just my idea, by the way. It's biblical, but the Bible doesn't call it tolerance. The Bible has this word for it. Uh, check it out real quick, Ephesians 4.2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Ooh. <laughs> you can advert. Just bear with one another. With humility, gentle, and patience. So, so bearing one another doesn't mean that you're better than one another. Tolerate doesn't mean I'm better than you. You're not as good as me. No, no. With, with, with humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with another. Next verse. Because this is all throughout scriptures. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Did you know that you don't need someone else's permission to forgive them? Did you know that? That person who hurt you, did you know you can forgive them tonight? And in that way, you can bear what they did to you. You can bear that person. Next verse. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6 2. Guys, the Bible was built on bearing. Or do you think Jesus died for his own sins? He <laughs> died for his sins? He bore our sins. He didn't agree with our sins. He didn't want our sins. He didn't like our sins. But he didn't just come to criticize and judge. He came to bear it so that we may be one. We got to do more bearing. As a church, we got to do more bearing. As a nation, we got to do more bearing. As husbands and wives, we got to do more bearing. But I didn't know that when I got married to them. <laughs> well, <laughs> bear with it. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Because sometimes bearing is the, is the most powerful form of love. I can't change you. So instead, in the name of Jesus, I'll bear you. You know, some people in life, God did not call you to be besties with. Is that just a weight off your shoulder right there? Jesus never said, be besties with the whole world. Never said it. He said, bear with one another. Here's my final point. We can have the worship team come out. We got one enemy. We got one neighbor. Just one neighbor. We got to love him. You don't get to pick who you're going to love, who you're not going to love. You got one neighbor. Here's my last one. One purpose. We got one purpose. One purpose. One purpose. One purpose. Let me read it. Verse to you, John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. I am praying not only for these disciples, this is Jesus speaking, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That is the church. So, so this verse is about you and me right now. Jesus saw you when he said this. I pray that they will all be one, just as you, Father, and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you, and may they be in us. Here is the purpose of unity. Oh, good God, help me preach this at the end, Lord. So that the world will believe that you sent me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I got two dogs, Honey and Blue. And the thing about my dogs is they do not like each other. Blue is a boy. Honey is a girl. Honey is very playful. Blue is very aggressive. Blue has gotten the stuff removed, but he still humps Honey all the time. And Honey is bigger than Blue, so she don't play. Homegirl. Will, she will lacerate a jugular. She will go for the hind legs. She's a killer, okay? Now, she's the sweetest thing in the world, except when Blue messes with her. They never get along. Y'all can play music whenever it turns on. They never get along. They are always fighting. There is only one time every day where they stop barking at each other and fighting at each other. And it's at night, whenever a stranger 
walks by my house. They could be at each other's throats, and it's kind of scary. I don't know what's scarier, that they do it or that you and I have just given up and we let it happen. I'm not sure what's scarier. But they can be at each other's throats. Rah, 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 rah. The moment that a stranger walks by our house, we got these big windows in the front of our house. Honey and Blue run to the front of the window and they look at whoever that poor soul is. And I, I could see it. They're like, you get that side, I'll get this side. Bring it higher, honey, higher. Bring it lower, blue. They just, they just go to town on whoever that poor soul is. And it's like for one second they forgot they were enemies because they were binded. By a common purpose, which is protect this house and serve my master. Protect this house and serve my master. I know we were fighting just a second ago. I know we were at each other, but there's an enemy outside and we got to protect this house. And we got to serve the master. I was watching a movie the other day. It was an old cowboy, and he got this young guy. He said, young guy, I want to tell you the secret to life. The young guy said, what's the secret to life? He said, this is the secret to life. The young guy said, a finger? He said, no, man. He said, one thing. The young guy said, what's the young thing? What's the one thing? The cowboy said, that's for you to figure out. But if you can boil your life down to one thing, that's the secret. Can I tell you, church, today, I have found my one thing, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry if it offends you, and I'm sorry if you don't agree, and I'm sorry if this is not the right church for you, but I will not make this church about anything else other than Jesus. I don't care if you're a theologian. I'm not going to make it about doctrine. I'm going to make it about Jesus. I don't care if you're a politician. I'm not going to make it about Democrats and Republicans. I'm going to make it about Jesus. I'm sorry if, if you're pro this or anti this. I'm not going to make it about those things. You can't make me. This is about Jesus. He's the one, the only, the beginning, the end, and I'm not shaking. I'm not, I'm not leaving my ground. I'm not leaving my position. I'm not going to get, you're not going to confuse me. And you're not going to pull me into your corner. I started this because Jesus saved my life. And I'm going to end this because Jesus saves my life. So I'm not going to make it about your agenda or his agenda or her agenda. Journey is always about Jesus and only Jesus. Always and only Jesus. He's our one thing. You want to find out my position on something? We'll have a conversation. But don't get mad that I don't use this microphone to promote your position. I will push Jesus. Always and always Jesus. Because heaven is not full of independents and Americans and, and, and Russians. And heaven is people who put their trust in Jesus. So I'm sorry if that gets you mad, but this is that church. Just Jesus. And if we can rally around him, God, life is simpler. Stay standing. If you're not, just go ahead and stand on your feet. Just Jesus. One master. And we got one house to protect. I know we can't, stay standing. I know we can't get unity all over the world. I know. I know that. I know that. It's like not even like in Revelations, like it talks about it. Like it's just not going to happen until Jesus comes back. Like I get that. I, I don't even think we can get unity. In America. As much as we preach it, I just think there's always gonna be people who don't hear this message, who have their own views, and we're always gonna be fighting. Serve this master, protect this house. But can we can we get unity in the church? Can we control that much? Can we can we just can we just at least get it here? Because I think something happens when the church becomes unified. You don't understand, unity is not just a value, unity is your ministry. Because when the world sees us holding hands, oh God, one of my volunteers, let me get my 10 people up here real quick, real quick, real quick. Put your gloves on, 10 people. I need five people on this side, and I need five people on this side. Real quick, thank you so much. Go ahead, stand right there, at the end right there, right there, five, stand this way, look that way. 
that way. All right. Hold her hand. Hold her hand. Hold her hand. I need the last five. One, two, three, four, five. Go on that side, right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all never remember this old playground game called uh, uh, Red Rover. Raise your hand if you know about Red Rover. I just need to know who missed out on a childhood. I just need to. It's a real simple game. It's, it's Red Rover. Did y'all ever play Red Rover? No? Okay. Well, you know Red Rover, Jay? Too busy getting a doctorate degree. That's what happened. Red Rover? I guess I'm going to have to explain the rules. So Red Rover is this game where there'll be one side and another side. And then someone on this side, like Nixon, Nixon will go, Red Rover, Red Rover. And then they would say, San Jorge on over. And then Jorge would run. Let go. Jorge would run as fast as he can. Good, Jorge. Pause, pause, pause. Jorge would try and find the link. And he would try and break it. And if he can run through the link, go ahead, break it. Break it. If he can break through the link, he won that round of Red Rover. And what he gets to do now is he gets to pick somebody. So pick somebody who you think would be good on your team. Yeah. Okay, the black guy, of course. Pick Nixon on that side. Nixon, good. Nixon's not black. Go ahead, Nixon. Go ahead, Nixon. Yeah, yeah. Go now. You get to take him on your team. You see, this is why the devil is into separation. Because for the devil, separation is subtraction. If he can break us apart, he gets to take. Take, take the church's influence. Take the church's authority. Take the church's power, because Pentecost came in chapter 2, verse 1, when they were in one accord. So he gets to take the power. He gets to take supernatural signs and wonders. He gets to take the gospel. I'm just preaching in the church right now. If you're not a Christian, you're just going to have the, everything else is for you. But this right here is for my church, right here. If we let him break us, we let him take us. But, (laughs) but the game, guys, the game has two sides. Yeah. So, so y'all probably feeling defeated. You got your, your homeboy taken. All right, well, let's do this. Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Alexis on over. Alexis, I want you to run, but I don't want you to break through. Go ahead. Run. Pick any link. Run, run, run. Yeah, but don't break through. Don't, don't break through. Don't break through, but run, run, run. Boom. Okay, but okay, push, you know, make it look like it's real. Okay, good. Stop right there. She can get through. Guess what the rules say if you can't break through? Now you got to stay on that side. Ooh. Because if the because she tried to divide them. But guess what the opposite of division is? Multiplication. <laughs> this is why this season is so great. Because the enemy is going to try and keep sending enemies your way. I'm going to tap you. I want you to run, but I don't want you to break it. He's going to try and send injustice the way. He's going to try and send uh, enemies the way. He's going to try and send politics that way. But every time he fails to break through and the unity of the church shines through what he intended for division turns into multiplication and the church of Jesus Christ. Hey, 2020 sucks, no doubt. But do you also know that 2020 is going to be the church's best shot at revival? Because if somebody walks into this building, come on, let us take this line. Move it right here. Move it right here. Move it right here. Come here. Hold their hands. Hold their hands. We got the gloves because we did this COVID version. Okay. If somebody walks into this building in a nation that is divided, and they see an example of unity. This is what Jesus said. He said, if they are one, then what? They will know. They will know that you sent me. You don't need a microphone to preach. You just need someone's hand. 
You don't need social media to preach. You just need someone's hand. God, help us. We want to be the kind of church that ministers through our embrace, that ministers through our unity, that ministers not through our assimilation. We're not becoming like the world, through our discrimination. We're not hating the world, but through our tolerance. We're willing to hold hands with people who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, who might not necessarily believe like us. But there's one thing we all rally around, Jesus and only Jesus. And you know what they call this? You didn't win the game. You won people. We just kept winning people. Oh my God, this is going to be the church in 2021. One hand and another hand and another hand. We're just going to keep winning people because we refuse to play by their rules. We're not going to kick out. We're not going to change who we are. We're going to love people just for who they are without changing who we are. We're going to tolerate. We're going to have one enemy, one neighbor, and one purpose. Thank you guys so much. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Can I pray with you? The worship team will lead, will lead us into a song. This, I wish, I wish we didn't have COVID right now because I would tell you, hold the hand of the person next to you. But if you didn't come to church with that person, don't do that. That's not healthy. But if you got a family member in here, if you're alone here today, the Holy Spirit's holding your hand. I'm holding your hand. But I would like it. If, if, even if you got nobody around you, would you just kind of this posture right here? Let's just use our imaginations today. Just this posture here. And let's imagine in our minds, let's imagine that no matter what happens, let's just declare it today. Journey Church, our church, we can't control it in the nation, but, but in this house, let's protect this house. Let's serve our master. Let's make this about Jesus and only Jesus. Come on, let's just tell the devil today, I'm not going anywhere, devil. Uh-uh. I'm not going to hate who you want me to hate. I'm going to love everybody, my neighbor. I'm not picking my neighbor. I'm going to love whoever I work with, whoever I work for. Right now, would you bow your heads, close your eyes, lift up your own prayer right now of unity. It's going to have, it's going to require you to change, by the way. Here's the prayer of unity. The prayer of division is, God, help me and change them. But here's the prayer of unity. God, help them and change me. Come on, would you pray that right now? I want you praying over your quote-unquote enemies. We know they're not your enemies anymore. We know the devil's your enemy. But that person you have in your mind, that's someone on the, on the, other, on the other political allegiance. Let's tell, God, help them change me, Lord God. I want you to bless them, but change me, Lord God. Change my pride. Change my rudeness. Change my perspectives. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.